Ladies and gentlemen, you are listening to the Two Guys Talking Podcast Network. Thank you. Welcome to the Pediatric Sports Medicine Podcast hosted by me, Dr. Mark Halstead. I cover current hot topics and recent research in the world of the young athlete relevant to healthcare professionals. This is the Pediatric Sports Medicine Podcast. The media, it can be a love-hate relationship at times. We see a new publication talking about a medical breakthrough sensationalized in the media and our patients may get the wrong impression of what the impact really is. A perfect example of this was when the concussion blood test approval by the FDA became news. Unfortunately, this was not correctly messaged, and my response to it on social media was my actual first viral tweet, and I had an effective rebuttal to offer further clarification as to what was actually happening. However, I've had great interactions with the media over the years, and I do have a deep appreciation for having been involved in media, in the journalism in high school and in college, and with a son now in college pursuing that field. But how should we approach the media as healthcare professionals? What should you do if you've been requested to provide a comment or be interviewed by the media? Well, you're in luck, as I have a media communications expert on the podcast today to answer those questions and more. I'm Dr. Mark Halstead, your host, and this is the Pediatric Sports Medicine Podcast. My guest today is Amy Weiss, founder and CEO of Weiss Public Affairs. Amy has extensive experience in communications and has served as Vice President of Public Affairs for Ted Turner's Philanthropy, the United Nations Foundation, and the Senior Vice President of Communications for the Recording Industry Association of America. She was also the Deputy Assistant to the President and Deputy Press Secretary to President Bill Clinton. We've crossed paths during my time with the St. Louis Rams when she brought her expertise to the NFL Team Physician Society. I'm sure she'll bring some great insight to our discussion today. I'm looking forward to our conversation. Welcome to the podcast, Amy. Thank you so much for having me. It's great to be here. And I have to say, this is the first podcast I've been a guest on. Mostly I'm behind the scenes setting up podcasts for clients. So Come thank you. Come on, seriously? Yes, seriously. This wow. is my, my breakout. Untapped person here. I'm yes. excited that I get to have you as, uh, as your first podcast <laughs> experience here. Actually, on a podcast. It's great. One thing I think that many may have the false impression is that as physicians, we don't need to be trained how to speak to the media. We're experts, right? So we should be able to, we talk to patients all the time. So we don't really need to be trained how to talk to the media. But I hear from many physicians who have been disappointed when they've had that interview process and they don't like what's come out trying to get a point across as an example. I've had that example. I've tried to get my point across thinking I was trying to emphasize a take-home point. And that soundbite or quote that I used, just to me, it didn't feel like the reporter really decided to run with what I thought was the most important key message I was trying to convey. When you've given training on working with the media, you have some common truths and misconceptions of what reporters are trying to accomplish. Can you touch on some of those for us? Absolutely. I mean, the first thing that is important to do is to do your homework. And when a reporter calls and wants to do an interview, first of all, make sure you're the right person for the interview. Make sure that it's your area of expertise. And if it's not, give them names of other people they should be talking to. Also, make sure you understand what their goal is, who else they're talking to for their piece, whether it's recorded or just a print interview and it's not going to be recorded. And make sure that you go into the interview with a headline in mind. Now, sometimes you give a great quote and it doesn't make the story. And you think you've made a home run and the story comes out and it's completely different than how you envisioned it should come out. Well, unfortunately, we're not the editor of the story. We're not the reporter. You are really a source and a resource for the reporter. But going in with a sense of what you want to accomplish is really important. That, to me, is one of the key goals in when you decide to do an interview, making sure that you have 
we like to call it a message house, but a, a structure of what you want to talk about with facts, figures, statistics, and proof points. You know, if a healthcare professional is approached by the media for an interview, you talked about kind of doing your homework. They say they've never done it before. What would you recommend to consider or ask about before saying yes? I would do research on the reporter. I would see what he or she has reported previously. It's usually better to have somebody else vet the interview for you, if that's possible. Come up with a list of questions. For example, who else is going to be interviewed for the piece? What is the goal of the piece? What role do they see you as the doctor playing in the story? Are they looking to you as a local expert in St. Louis to talk about, you know, whatever the it is, or are they looking for more of a, of a generalist to tell a bigger piece of the story? So knowing exactly what they're looking for from you. And let's say they come to you and it's a story about adult brain cancer, for example. If you're a pediatrician, this isn't going to be your area of expertise, so you could figure out who the right doctors are for them to speak with. And again, looking to be a source and a resource, even though you might not make the story because obviously it's not your area of expertise, they'll come back to you another time and use you in a story. So don't feel like you're giving away your only opportunity ever to talk to the local newspaper. Look at it as an opportunity to build a relationship, which is also really important. You said researching a reporter, like how, how would you go about doing that? Is that just a Google search where you just kind of look them up and see what they've written about before? Or? What I do for clients is I'll go online and see what they've written, see what they tweet, see all of their social media accounts. And this isn't some deep, dark back room finding out like what their deep, dark secrets are, but it's more just what's their style? What's their take? Do they have a point of view? Are they anti-science? And so you know walking in that you're going to have a tough time convincing the reporter, therefore their audience, that, for example, people should get the COVID vaccination. So knowing precisely who this person is that you're talking to, it's also great to look at a reporter's bio, and maybe there's some commonality there. Maybe the person grew up in St. Louis, and you knew their parents, or there's... There's always building that sort of rapport ahead of time is also really important. So that's the sort of thing you do when you do research on a reporter. I think that's easy for some of us that are in academic centers where we have those type of people who can vet them before we get that media request. But you know how the media is. I mean, they want the interview like in an hour sometimes for something that's coming on. And we may not have that time or say someone's in private practice. Is there a way that they could look into that a little bit more too without maybe that professional at their institution who can do that? Absolutely. I mean, I think what you can do is set up a sheet for your assistant or somebody else in the office to ask these specific questions. What's your deadline? Who else are you speaking with for this piece? What exactly are you looking for the doctor to address? And so there are just certain questions that you can ask that somebody else can ask for you, and it will give you at least enough to go on in order to then do the interview. Should a healthcare professional say yes to any media request, or what, what's the situations where they should just flat out decline it. I mean, you, a perfect example, obviously, is the adult issue and you're a pediatric specialist. That's probably not your wheelhouse to comment on those types of things. But other situations where you feel it may be reasonable to decline the request? It's reasonable to decline if they don't give you a reasonable enough time to get your thoughts together and do an effective job with the interview. You know, when reporters call and say, I'm on deadline, I need to talk to you right now. Well, you know what? It's okay to say no. It's okay not to have to drop everything and do an interview. It's okay if you see that it's a media outlet that is hostile towards the medical establishment. You're not going to change people's minds. And 
Therefore, that's the sort of interview you might want to not do. Your partner might have time to do the interview where you are tied up, and it's better to be able to do a little bit of homework before just jumping in. You wouldn't go skydiving without taking a few lessons. You shouldn't do an interview if you've never done one before without some practice. If the decision is made to do an interview, what type of things do you think are some common mistakes that are made by the person who are being interviewed? Sometimes people talk too much. It's rambling, confusing, and it distracts from the question that was asked. Talking too little, the yes, no, I like to call it the teenager response. When you're responding with a one-word answer and you're not giving back part of the question to the interviewer, that makes it very difficult. Doctors especially like to talk in jargon. Make sure that you're speaking in plain English, that you're talking to your aunt in Ridgewood, New Jersey, and not to other medical professionals. Because the audience, you're talking to a reporter who might be very well-versed in medicine, but the reporter is a conduit for the larger audience. So knowing that the alphabet soup that you're going to talk in is something that's not going to resonate with the audience. Reporters also love to paraphrase. Don't let them interpret what you're trying to say. Make sure that you're as good of a, a, a talker as you are a listener. So make sure you listen to what they're saying to you and you're answering correctly. I also love telling people to not speak in negatives. It's the uh, Richard Nixon, I'm not a crook. Making sure that you don't repeat those negative words and to respond in a positive versus in a negative. One of the other big takeaways should be don't say no comment. It sounds like you have something to hide. It might just be it's something you can't comment on. But you can say, that's a really great question. I really need to get back to you on that. And that's okay. And then get back to them with either an answer or the fact that you can't answer that question. And is that, you know, when you talk about the no comment, I mean, uh, yeah, I, I understand that part. The no comment sounds like that is something that you're trying to hide. And obviously, it may be something you may not be able to disclose. And that could be a privacy thing as an example when we're talking in the medical field. But, you know, if it's just something that you just don't know, I mean, is it? Is it okay to just say you don't know that to the to the person that you who is interviewing you? Absolutely. It's fine to say I don't know. It's much better to say I don't know than guessing, giving a wrong answer or saying no comment. And people also understand HIPAA and understand when you can't speak specifically about, you know, a football player or another high, you know, somebody else who they might be asking about. So what can a healthcare professional do to maximize getting their message conveyed during an interview? Repeating the message is really important. Um, going in with your key messages and not saying it once, not saying it twice, but saying it several times during the interview. Many times at the end of an interview, a reporter will say, thank you so much. Is there anything you want to add? And that's your opportunity to repeat your message. It's not your opportunity to say something brand new because that I liken it to your last run when you go skiing, and that's when you break your leg. When you just do one more run, and then you go on to a different course, and things go awry. Well, you don't want to open up a whole new line of questioning, but you want to take that opportunity to repeat the message that you wanted to convey in the interview. And and that's always a, a point. Just having done that myself, of what's a strategy to do that? Because obviously, in a reporter, will have some pretty pointed questions, and it may be hard to circle back to that key point. It, you know, the the pivot, so to speak, uh, that right. we hear about all the time. How do we pivot back to our key message? You know, and I, I really appreciate you talking about that point of at the end, because honestly, I usually will end my interviews and they'll say, is there anything else that you want to talk about? And I'm like, no, I think we've covered everything. And I'm like, oh, that was, that's perfect opportunity for me now to put that key point back in. So I appreciate that. 
Yeah, so there's there's a um, the pivot, the um, zoom in, zoom out uh, is a is a, a a skill that you'll learn if the more interviews you do, the better people become at it. Where you take the question and you say something to the effect of, you know, that's a terrific question. Let me answer it, and then you can say, but the real, you know, the real thing to focus on today here is X. And that bridges your answer to the the issue that you want to be talking about. And so thinking about how to bridge from responding and being responsive and not looking like you're avoiding the question to bridging to the, the answers that you want to be giving. We're going to take a quick break. And when we return, we'll continue our discussion about interacting with the media. Make your podcast soar with the Editor Core. Editing podcasts can be ugh, rough. Everyone knows that you'll spend at least double the time you use creating the podcast when editing it. Then there's the control freak factor and the gotta get it right the first time. Well, it's time to shove all that out the door and make your podcast soar with the Editor Core. The Editor Core is a talented, experienced team of podcast editors that have edited tens of thousands of hours of podcast content and they're ready for yours now. Check out editorcore.com because it's time. To make your podcast soar, editorcore.com. That's editorcore.com. Dr. Mark Halstead here. Do you like what you're hearing on the Pediatric Sports Medicine Podcast? If you want to learn how your business, organization, or effort can benefit from my focused audience of professionals interested in pediatric sports medicine, connect with us and let's have a conversation. You can reach out to us at pediatricsportsmedicinepodcast.com. Thought about a career in voiceover? Need a great cost-effective on-hold message for your organization or business? Don't know where to start? Check out The Voice Farm, your one-stop shop for voiceover needs. Check it out now by accessing The Voice Farm at voicefarmers.com and see what difference can be made with a company that is truly outside the box. From The Voice Box, voicefarmers.com. That's voicefarmers.com. We are back with public affairs and media guru, Amy Weiss, and we are continuing our discussion on communicating with the media. I've spent a lot of time with the media in various forms. I've done print, TV, radio, you know, all of them have their pluses or minuses in my mind. I personally like radio the best just because I was a college DJ and I feel comfortable, hence the podcast part, I feel comfortable behind the microphone. And what I discuss there is easier because everything gets put out there. They they don't edit it typically, unless it's a pre-recorded interview, then they may edit and they get your sound bites. But if it's a live interview, that makes it super easy, but also super dangerous too, right? Right. Um, depending on what you say. Print and TV, there's choices made by the writers, producers, editors, what should be included. Do you have any specific strategies or recommendations when you're talking to different media outlets? Funny you should mention the college DJs. I was a college DJ as well. Actually, I thought I wanted to be a DJ when I grew up, but that obviously didn't happen. <laughs> so I think that when you prepare for an interview, the different medium, you prepare in a different way. So yes, if you're doing a, a live radio interview or a podcast interview or a live to tape interview on television, so they're not going to cut it. It's all going to be live. You know, when you ask before you do an interview, you ask them, you know, the format. And if they say it's going to be taped and edited, you know that your answers will be cut down. So to make sure that you don't respond to a question without the substance of the question in the answer, 
is important if you know it's going to be edited. If it's a live radio interview or a taped radio interview or a live to tape TV interview, knowing that your responses will be taken whole, but also won't be edited. So to be very careful about what you say and how you say it. If you're on television, there's so many more things to think about with how you look and how you're sitting. And when people watch a TV interview, they're much more focused on what you look like and what your backdrop looks like than what you're actually saying. And so I think with radio, it's a much more impactful format because it's all audio and it's all just listening to the person and what they're saying. You brought up the medical jargon part before. I'm not a big fan of that, especially when talking with patients. For me, it's it's more natural to not use medical jargon when I'm doing a medical interview just because that's how I try and approach things with my patients. But you know, and you've worked with a bunch of surgeons from the NFL Team Physician Society, that, that may be hard for them to stop talking jargon because that's what they do all the time. Do you have any strategies to not talk jargon? You mentioned talking to your aunt, but I even see that that still can sometimes be a hard thing for them to not talk in medical speak. Um, what do you, what do you think? I think media training orthopedic surgeons is probably the most difficult media trainings I've ever done. But I do think that reminding the doctors to speak in very plain English is critical. And before you do an interview, I always suggest to the to doctors to do a prep session ahead of time with somebody, a spouse, a child, somebody who can help you make sure that you're speaking in plain English. And I come from a family of doctors. My dad was a surgeon. My brother is a surgeon. My sister's a nurse. I'm a spin doctor. Um, <laughs> and it's really important to make sure that you are explaining without dumbing it down too much, but explaining to the audience what you're talking about and just keeping that front of mind. It is hard, especially when you're so used every day to, to speaking in a language that most lay people don't really understand. A strategy that I've used sometimes too is if I, I do use medical jargon, I kind of then immediately define it in terms of what's a common thing, you know, like the meniscus as an example, as the shock absorber for your knee. Do you feel that that's like a reasonable thing to do? So you can use jargon, but you kind of put it in terms of defining it? Absolutely. Explaining to people what you mean, what body part it is, what the function is. The minute you said it was a shock absorber, I all of a sudden got a visual in my head as to what you're talking about. I know. And it also will make you a better doctor because you'll be a better communicator to your patients. One of my family members has had a number of health issues and going to doctors and as a well-educated person, I sit there and I say to them, I don't understand what you're talking about. And I keep thinking, if I don't get it, nobody else is going to understand. So I've found the doctors who I have the most trust in are the ones who can explain it in very simple terms and terms that anybody can understand. So I think not only does it make you a better interviewee, it will also make you a, a better physician. We've had the interview done. They've printed or published the article that's out there. Is it worthwhile to read that article or watch the interview after it's been published or broadcast? It is not only important, it's critical. You know, Making sure that you know when it's going to run or putting your name in Google Alerts or putting the reporter's name in Google Alerts and reading it the minute it hits the internet. This is the upside of the internet is that things can be edited and changed very quickly. So the story pops, you read it, and you see that you've been misquoted. I would call the reporter immediately and ask for a correction. 
And if the reporter says, sorry, it's too late, you know, the story's already up, there's nothing I can do, I would then call the reporter's editor. If you call the, the, the news desk, they can get you to the editor. But it's really important to get it corrected as quickly as possible. Otherwise, it sits there incorrectly, and you then are going to play catch-up ball another time when somebody else comes to you and says, how come you said X, Y, and Z? And you try to explain like, oh, that's not actually what I meant. But trying to get it fixed quickly is really important. Another thing you might want to do too is if the story is great, is to push it on your social media platforms, making sure people actually see it, which is also good for business because people like to go to see doctors who are in the media and are seen as experts. Yeah, and I've always taken the approach too, if I've had an interview done by an outlet for whatever source, even before it may have gone live or things like that, particularly for, for TV, if I've done that, I will immediately thank them and tag them on my social media just, you know, just for that. I just think it's good practice. I mean, it's it. you're giving them, them time, but they're giving you also a platform to be able to talk about things. So I've always felt that that's been a, a reasonable thing to do. But yeah, I, I do like to, to tag the social media part of things with that for sure. And then, and then other people see it. So then another reporter will say, oh, this guy looks like he's an expert. I'm going to call him next time. And so it has a snowball effect. And that's why you sometimes see the same people quoted in the press on topics. It's just easier for reporters to see, oh, I'm going to call... Dr. Hal said next time because he, you know, was quoting this other story and he he really gets it. You know, I've had the experience too sometimes. You mentioned the Google Alerts, which I actually find if you are a physician out there or any healthcare professional for that matter, you should use Google Alerts and put your name in Google Alerts because I've had articles pop up that I've never been interviewed for and people have taken a quote from a previous article or interview right. that I've given and I've just been flabbergasted that I got quoted in something that I'm like, man, where I don't remember ever talking to this particular <laughs> reporter about something. But I think it's just good practice because I think getting it out there, which I also found out interestingly that there is a Mark Halstead, who is an English soccer goalkeeper, who apparently has had some ups and down seasons over the oh. years too. That's how I get most of my Google alerts are for that Mark Halstead. I think it's very worthwhile if you have not done that. It's super easy to set up a Google alert and I just get a, a weekly update on my name. So that way I can kind of keep tabs on what's coming out there in the media that has my name in it just to make very sure. Important. Very important. It's also interesting. I do it also for topics that I'm mm -hmm. working on. Too. And I can see what reporters are writing about that topic. And then I reach out to those reporters from time to time when I have a client who might want to speak to that topic. So it's also a good way to sort of curate press who are covering a topic that you care about. And again, thinking about being not just a source for the press, but also a resource. You could email a reporter and say, hey, I saw you just wrote about X. Here's a white paper that you might find interesting. And that also can help build a relationship, which is also critical, um, is having friends before you need friends in the press and having a few people you can go to when you want to put something out in the media or comment on a topic. So building those relationships early is, is also an important part of media relations. You mentioned the the reaching out. So when is it helpful for a healthcare professional to actually reach out about a story potentially? Because you know usually it's the other way around. We're being asked, not necessarily that we're pushing out things outside of what you know. Again, our institutions may push out um, mm -hmm. from from their media. But when when do you think a physician should actually reach out to somebody? I think when you see a story that or a piece that a reporter has written or has published or is you know on, on the news that night, your local news, it's 
okay to reach out to that reporter to say, hey, I saw your story on X. Here's some resources you might find interesting. Or you have a paper coming out in JAMA and you want to flag it for the reporter. Or you have some other study that you're doing at your university that you want to flag for a reporter. All fine to do. And they're appreciative because they're always looking for story ideas. And sometimes it's thinking about news hooks. So back to school. As a pediatrician, I'm sure you have a lot to talk about with kids going back to school, what that story could look like, or, you know, obviously COVID. I mean, there's so many different story angles today that I think reporters would be grateful to have your expertise. Feature we have on our podcast, it's called the Pearl of the Podcast. It's that take-home nugget of information. That's the important closing point. So think of this as like the interview, and now someone is asking you, do you have anything else you want to say? So Amy, what is your Pearl of the Podcast? My Pearl of the Podcast is before doing an interview, practice, practice, practice. And I hope I can have more than one Pearl. Oh, absolutely. It's a common um, feature. <laughs> I would also say, again, repeating that never say no comment. You always have something that you can say or that you'll get back to the reporter. Don't repeat negatives. Stay positive and bridge back to your message. It's not, I'm not a crook. It's, I'm an upstanding citizen and have always done things legally. And also don't speak for others. Represent yourself and not other people who they might be asking you about. Other doctors that you work with, other people in your field, they're the experts in their own field. Here's why I'm here today to talk to you. So those are my pearls of the podcast. Fantastic. I'd like to thank Amy Weiss for spending some time on a holiday weekend with me today as we're recording this on Labor Day weekend. Your insight was extremely valuable, and I hope our listeners took some key information away from this conversation to help their interactions with the media. Be sure to check out our entire podcast library at pediatricsportsmedicinepodcast.com. We appreciate your feedback and five-star reviews. We'd love it if you tell a friend or two about the podcast to help spread the word. I'm Dr. Mark Halstead, your host, and this has been the Pediatric Sports Medicine Podcast. Thank you for joining us today. We hope you will join us for future episodes. Find my entire library of episodes at pediatricsportsmedicinepodcast.com. I'm Dr. Mark Halstead, and this has been the Pediatric Sports Medicine Podcast.